You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Hey, good morning, everybody. Wow, what an amazing time of worship, amen? I mean, I don't know if you've noticed around here, um, but worship is not just something we do. We've come to worship, and I'm so thankful for our worship team that just makes space for people's attention to be, to be brought to the king, and the king alone. Um, uh, are you not thankful? Come on, let's, get, let's show some love to the worship team. You know, I feel like I've devoted the last 10 years of my life to just cultivating a space, an environment for the presence of God to be preeminent, for the presence of God to be the, the focal point. And that's my prayer every single week is that People wouldn't necessarily remember the name of the church or who spoke, but that they would encounter Jesus for themselves. Every single week, that's my prayer. And, uh, and worship is necessary for that. Um, and we're worshipers here. So it is Easter Sunday. Um, which, you know, in, we- weird, in a weird way, you know, church circles, they say Easter Sunday is like Super Bowl Sunday, but come on. <laughs> we got to give that up. Every day is a day with the resurrected king. Every day he's alive. And so, uh, yes, in a traditional sense, uh, this is a special time of year. But in the reality of things, in light of the gospel, this is just another day with the risen king. And uh, it's so good to be alive, living with him, him leading our way. I want to just point you to a few, few quick thoughts this morning. One is in Acts chapter 2, this story of the king. This is Peter standing before the masses, explaining and giving context as the Holy Spirit had been poured out. And he says in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, so like a man that really lived, a man that came from this region of Galilee, from a village named Nazareth, a man attested to you by God of mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. That is the good news of our King Jesus, who really came and lived amongst the ones he created, and then willingly gave, gave himself and died a criminal's death. But death was not the final word. In fact, death could not hold him, and he rose from the dead. I want us to pray as we consider the truth of God's word this morning. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. We're so thankful that, that you would have already like, kissed this gathering with your presence in such a beautiful way. Moving in my heart, moving in other hearts this morning, I can sense and I can know. I pray right now that your word would be alive and fresh, planting good seeds in good soil, bearing a harvest, bearing fruit. Pray that eyes would be open, veils would be lifted from people's eyes to be able to see you for who you truly are, King Jesus, amen. This morning, we fix our eyes on the conquering king, this king who went to battle for us and won, the king who conquered the enemies of our soul, he is our conquering king. And we spend a lot of time around here talking about Christianity in terms of the kingdom. If you haven't heard Christianity talked about in terms of a kingdom, I'm sorry. 
that is the best framework, the best way to understand what Jesus came to do was to talk about it in terms of a kingdom. And when he came, he said, the kingdom of God is near. He said, I'm evidence of this. I'm going to demonstrate that to you. And he demonstrated through his, through his works and through his teaching. The kingdom of God is near. And that king, he died a death to wage a war against sin on our behalf. And then he showed that he was stronger than both sin and the death by rising from the dead. That is the story of our conquering king. And there's one verse, one sentence really in scripture that I want to be the focal point of this morning. It's Paul talking to believers in Corinth, the church in Corinth. And there's a lot of confusion in the church in Corinth about the resurrection from the dead, believers specifically, those who had you know, first-generation believers had started to pass away. And they were questioning what that meant for those that had passed and this space that we're in right now where our conquering king went before us, he died for our sins and death and paved a way for us, but yet we're in this place where we haven't yet, we haven't yet died. We haven't yet seen the fullness of this victory because we're in this world of which you know, the kingdom of darkness is still very evident. And so in verse, or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, he says this one sentence, and the final enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That is the last enemy of your soul that you will face before you enter into glory or before you enter into eternity. The last enemy to be conquered is death. And Jesus, our conquering king, already conquered death. And so you see, we're in this place, facing all of these, you can kind of see like a lineup of enemies of your soul. Sin and shame and bad choices, bad choices wounds that have like internally stuck with you over time. All these enemies of your soul. And then you see death. Death being the final enemy that we will face. Well, Jesus has conquered them all, including the final enemy of our soul, which is death. I want you to see King Jesus this morning as the conqueror that he is. And if he's strong enough to conquer death, he's strong enough to conquer any enemy of your soul. This is critical for us to understand in the Christian message. This is not optional. You cannot follow Jesus and follow a dead Christ. He's a living Christ. Christianity makes no sense without this because the Christian message is not a message about following certain rules. It's not a path to enlightenment. It's not spiritual self-help. The Christian message is that we all rebelled and therefore we were made irredeemable by our own decisions. I believe this is evidenced in every single one of us in our conscience. As Romans chapter one says that we are all without excuse. The law of God is written on the hearts of every human being. We all understand that things just aren't quite right. If we were to stand before a holy God, we know that we would have nothing to show for it. In fact, in, in my short time on this planet, I've yet to meet a person who believes that they are perfect. Never once have I met anybody that thinks they're perfect. Because there is this sense of internal right or wrong. 
But God, because of his kindness and his grace, he chose to rescue us by inserting himself into our mess, sacrificing himself on our behalf, and then demonstrating that he is stronger than all sin that nailed him to that cross, and even stronger than death itself by rising from the dead. This central message sets Christianity apart from all other religious ideas, ideologies. This is what sets it on a plane that actually means something for our lives. The fact that he is alive and that he's stronger than even death, the last enemy that you will ever face. Because now you and I were following a king into victory. He broke the barrier. He broke the barrier and now he leads the way out for us. You can picture it like Jesus bursting into a burning building, rescuing us, and now he's leading this charge out of this burning building. And on the way out, we're gonna make things a little better as we, as we make our way out of this burning building. But that is the rescue story of heaven. He's leading the charge towards victory. And he's already created the way. He's already bursted through the barrier, the final barrier that you and I will face, this last enemy of our soul, which is death. Jesus conquered it all. Any enemy that you will face in this life. So as Paul continues in 1 Corinthians, you know, extensively talking about the resurrection and the resurrection for believers, he goes on in verse 54, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. He says, when the, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. So this is you and I right now. We have not yet put on the imperishable. We have not yet put on the immortality. We're familiar with that every single day when we wake up tired or sore. I'm starting to get sore. I'm in my 30s and I realize as I'm chasing my four kids around, I'm getting more and more sore. I realize that I am, I am perishable. I am, I am mortal, right? So that's the place we're in right now. He says, there's coming a day where this will come to pass. This saying from Isaiah, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Sin is the thing that reminds us that we are headed towards death, that we are finite, that we are broken, that we cannot... Um, fix ourselves. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is pointing the believers, pointing us towards this final victory. This is our hope in Jesus. We haven't experienced the fullness of it yet. We get glimmers of it by him saving our souls from sin, like cleansing our consciences, giving us right standing with the Father, bringing us into an actual friendship with God, by him healing our bodies and doing the miraculous. All these are glimmers of our final hope. This day of conquering over our final enemy, even death. So if King Jesus is stronger than even death, then he's stronger than any other enemy we face. Anything that you face, sin, addictions, wounds from the past, choices that haunt us, shame, he's stronger them, them, stronger than them all. So where does that bring us? Like, what is our response? 
Like, what is the invitation for us? Or how do we realize the implications of this in a personal way? Well, first, I believe that we need to admit that we need a rescuer. We personally need to admit that we need rescuing. And I believe that deep within the human heart, there is this infatuation with the, the, the hero story. Every, most movies and, and novels have some sort of hero or heroine, some underdog story, some rescue story that's, that's talked about. And we're enthralled by the idea of our rescuer saving us from a hopeless situation. We need to place ourselves in that position and, and, and realize our need for a rescuer. We have a living rescuer whose mission was to seek and save the lost. He said he didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for those who are well. Instead, he came for the sick. He came for those that were in need of rescuing. He came to seek and save the lost. And, and in this day, 2021, he is currently saving. He is saving souls. That's what he's doing today. That's, he's in the business of rescuing And this is essential to know and believe in a personal way that he is rescuing human hearts from an eternity bound for destruction, bound to death. He's rescuing. But have we come to a place where we personally recognize our need for a rescue, for a rescuer in a personal way? The way that we say it around here a lot of the times is, have you come to the end of yourself if you come to that place where you can admit before God, I can't do this on my own. I'm coming to the end of myself. You know, I grew up in and around, in and around church. And many people in the, United, in the United States grow up in some form or fashion around church, a religion. Whether it purely be an affiliation or attendance or whether it really be personal. But church people can be the easiest ones that get fooled into thinking that somehow we don't need to be rescued. Because I go to church. Because I grew up in in the right family with the right affiliation and I attended the right church. As though church can rescue me from the enemy of my soul. Or in our very relativistic culture, we can think that being a good person means that I don't need to be rescued. You know, I'm not as bad as the person sitting next to me, right? That's what you're thinking. I'm not as bad as some other person. You know, I think things could be worse. You know, my hangups, my, my messes aren't as bad as somebody else's. I watch the evening news and my life's not, that's what's great about social media too. You can always find somebody who's doing worse than you, right? Make yourself feel good. In our relativistic culture, that, that, can, that can trap us, that can deceive us. And we can kind of hope deep down, it, I hope it just all evens out, like my good will outweigh my bad. But deep down, we know that does not hold water when it comes to the matters of eternity. Like when we, when we wrestle with the frailty of who we are, and we all like know the deepest, darkest secrets of our heart, we know that that does not hold water, that I cannot make it on my own, that I am in need of rescuing. And that's the revelation we all need to come to grips with. It needs to come, you need to come to a moment in your life where you admit that you need a rescuer. A few years ago, my parents came and they, they hung out with my kids because me and my wife were going to go on our 10-year anniversary trip. 
We're looking forward to getting away. My dad has been a firefighter for more than 30 years. Um, so he's always been the rescuer. He is, he's been in crazy situations, rescuing people's lives. Um, crazy tragedies and crises. And he's just been a steadfast rescuer in crazy situations. Well, that trip, while we were away, my daddy loves to be outside. He, ended, he decided to take my five and seven-year-old on a, on a hike. This was March time frame, so like, think a few weeks ago even. It was still a little chilly. There was still snow on the ground. You know those, those sloppy uh, Iowa springs? That was the time of year that it was, and my dad wanted to go on a hike with my two oldest kids at the time, five and seven, and so they, they wandered out to some of the woods near the Skunk River here in Ames. And like my dad, the way he is, he can't stay on the trail, right? I mean, if there's a trail, it means there's a new place to be, you know, a new trail to be forged somewhere. That's my dad. And so with my five and seven-year-old, they ventured off the trail down this steep incline towards the Skunk River. And the ground down there off the trail is covered with snow and leaves. And he didn't realize how slick it would be. So there on the hill, he starts to kind of fall. And you, you know, you try to be slick when you're, when you're falling like that and maybe run into the, into, into the fall uh, and, and somehow redeem yourself. But, it, but it, was, it was a hopeless situation. He ended up falling and having a collision with a fallen tree and, and his knee hit the tree just right on. So there he was, like laying in the ground, uh, laying on the ground uh, groaning. And my five and seven-year-old, Lucy and Bryce, they, they run up to him and make sure he's all right. Well, he's not all right. And uh, he's thinking through the scenarios in his head. He tries to get himself up off the ground. He can't do it. Like, his knee is messed up. There's something wrong. That he's not going to be able to get himself out with a five and a seven-year-old. So he, he, he looks at my son in the eyes. and He says, okay, Bryce, my, my knee is out of joint. You're going to have to put my leg back into joint. You're going to have to grab my leg, and you're going to have to put my knee back into joint. So my son, I was, I was so proud of him. He bravely he grabbed, grabbed my dad's leg and he, he moved it up you know, forcefully and it wasn't better. It wasn't back in joint. He's like, okay. He's like, okay, Bryce, try it again. Second time. Okay, grab my leg. Try it again. More, a little more oomph this time. He gave it a little more oomph. Still, it wasn't, it wasn't better. His knee was still in excruciating pain. So where does my dad go next? He thinks, okay, maybe... My, my wife, so grandma, let's call grandma. Grandma will come and save us. So they, they, they grab his cell phone, they call grandma. She's no spring chicken. So she finally gets there. And so, meaning, yeah, she's, she's not gonna run down this hill full of snow and leaves and rescue my father. She, she comes and she's standing at the top of the ravine or the top of the riverbank. And she's like, what am I, what am I gonna do up here? I can't, I can't rescue you. And so she's the one who helps him come to this point where he admits that he needs, a res- he needs a rescuer. He needs to be rescued. It finally comes to that point. He can't rescue himself. His five and seven-year-old grandkids can't rescue him. His own wife can't rescue him. Finally, he does what every fireman dreads to do. He calls for emergency help, right? And I wish I had the picture, but the, the next day this ended up on the front page of the Ames Tribune because this was actually kind of a for, for Ames, anyways, you know, a more harrowing story of them having to, it was a lot of work for them to get to my dad because they had to go a mile and a half up, followed up the river with the emergency vehicles and then hike up and, and, and haul him out. 
so humbling for a rescuer, right? He was strong. He, his entire life, he's been rescuing people. But in that moment, he needed to admit that he needed a rescuer. And in our lives, oftentimes, we can think we got a good thing going. You know, thinking, I've done pretty well. I've, I've figured it out. Yeah, I've gotten beat up a few times, but I've picked myself up by the bootstraps, and I have figured it out. I'm doing pretty well. But really, we're just running from the truth. We're fooling ourselves. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ, that we have a rescuer. You don't have to rescue yourself. You don't have to save yourself. You have a rescuer of your soul who's defeated the enemies you're facing now and the final enemy of your soul, even death. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity this morning to admit that you need a rescuer. And after we admit that we need a rescuer, we begin to follow his lead to victory. And this is the victorious Christian life that doesn't get talked about enough in church. There is a, a victorious Christian life made available to you through the resurrected Jesus. He leads our way to victory from glory to glory. He's leading this victorious, triumphal procession towards victory over our final enemy, death. And we follow his lead. I love verses 55 through 57 here as I read earlier. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Sin is the sting that results in death. He uses that word, sting. Sin is the sting. What is, he, what is he talking about? Sin is the thing that keeps us controlled to our final destiny, our final encounter with the ultimate enemy of our soul, which is death. And that word sting in the Greek refers to like a cattle prod. You know how the, the prod of the shepherd or the, 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 um, the farmer, it keeps the, the cattle in line. Well, sin is that thing that keeps you pointed towards your final destruction. But the anthem that was set loose through the resurrection of Jesus was that death has no sting anymore. Death has no control over you through sin now. Now you're victorious. Oh, death, where is your sting? That, that can be now the anthem of every believer. Oh, death, where's your control over me anymore? You have no control over, over you're not You're not just prodding me towards my, my eminent doom, my eminent doom in death. Instead, I have a, a victorious king who's leading me from glory to glory towards victory because Jesus is stronger than even death itself. He emptied the grave. And you can know that he's stronger than the control of every, every, every other enemy that you face in your life. The controlling sting of death no longer holds us. He's stronger than it all. And God, I believe, is assembling here in this community just a beautiful community of, of believers that are encountering that truth. That yes, he gives us an answer for our eternal destiny, but that means something for our life now. And you can experience a victorious Christian life this side of eternity. I'm not talking about per perfection. I'm not talking about a life of ease. But I'm saying a, a life of victory with Jesus as our example. And as I was preparing this week, I, I couldn't help but be flooded as I was thinking of the testimonies of Amber and Barb that were shared earlier. I couldn't help but think of all the other individuals in our church who've encountered the risen Christ for themselves in such a personal way. In a way that didn't just 
change their eternal destiny, but change their life here and now. Where they can say, oh, death, where is your sting? Those things that used to control me, the old enemies of my soul, they don't have victory, they don't have control over me anymore. I now have victory through Jesus Christ. I couldn't help but think of Dave Thompson, who serves on one of our boards, hearing his testimony and how he was controlled by alcohol, how his life was purposeless. But now he's set free. He's been sober for decades, in love with Jesus, and he's living with a mission. I couldn't help but think of J.F. Krause, who was living a life of drugs, who was wandering, searching, until he found King Jesus. And now he is full of the joy of the Lord. If you've met J.F., he's full of the joy of the Lord. He's got a beautiful legacy of his family that just makes all of us glory, give glory to God. I couldn't help but think of Connie Sloan. She serves as one of our elders who's experienced tragic betrayal. But in Jesus, she experienced the beauty and the strength of the family of God. I couldn't help but think of Dave Sukup, who was literally dying of cancer until King Jesus walked into his hospital room. And he encountered the risen Christ, said, get up and walk, and encountered Jesus is even stronger than cancer. Or Judith Hansaker, who is dying of cancer, until King Jesus came and rescued her and conquered this disease that was killing her body, giving her new life. Couldn't help but think of Shelby Chizik, who was clinically depressed, clinically anxious, never having known the goodness of God, had heard about Christianity, heard about religion, but never known the goodness of God for herself until she encountered the King Jesus, the living King. And now she's living loved by God, free of antidepressant drugs and, and the need for that stuff anymore. Instead, now sent out on a mission, serving as a foreign missionary in, in Europe. Couldn't help but think of Stephen Donna Olson, whose marriage was failing. They were in a hopeless situation until they gave their hearts to Jesus and until they finally admitted they needed a rescuer and God restored their marriage. And in fact, this weekend, they celebrated 38 years of marriage. Amen. <laughs> Couldn't help but think of Doug Carroll, a wandering college student who was befriended by King Jesus. Or Rocky Wright, who was trapped in the lies of the New Age occult and until the power of King Jesus invaded her life, rescued her and showed her the path towards truth. Or her husband, Ben Wright, who was bound to marijuana and alcohol until King Jesus rescued him and showed him the life that he was created to live. So many of you have heard the testimony is so close to my heart, my, my brother's testimony, Tony, who was such an angry, rebellious kid who encountered King Jesus in a halfway house and set free from shame and addiction, set loose on a mission. My own wife, who was bound by fear and anxiety until King Jesus showed her the path towards freedom. 
and I myself stand before you testifying of the risen king. I was messed up, broken, insecure, without purpose, so uncertain, hopeless, until King Jesus made himself real to me, until he invaded my life, until he placed his hand on my shoulder and gave me a mission, gave me a purpose. If you'd all stand to your feet this morning. This morning, if you need to be rescued, I want to give you an opportunity to experience experience a rescue. To be set on a trajectory towards the victorious Christian life. If you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes. Where it all starts is with admitting that we need a rescuer. If that's you this morning, I want you to respond to King Jesus. I don't need to know what you need to be rescued from. Maybe it's sin or shame or decisions of your past, wounds deep in your heart. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's physical sickness that torments you. This morning, there is a king who sits on a throne and rules and reigns perfectly, and he sees you, and he's extending his hand. In fact, he's giving an invitation for you to be rescued. He's giving you an invitation to follow his lead towards victory. If that's you this morning, you need to to admit that you need to be rescued. Would you just raise your hand? It's all over this room, hands raised, King Jesus to you. Admitting that we need a rescuer. For different reasons, that Holy Spirit, you know. I pray in a personal way, King Jesus, you'd come and touch hearts and minds. As individuals come to the end of themselves with their situations, they realize that they can't can't rescue themselves. Their family or their great background can't save themselves, can't rescue them. This morning, they, they admit their complete and utter need for you, King Jesus. Come and touch hearts. Touch minds right now. Grab them by the hand, King Jesus. He's pointing you to the cross, which was a public declaration of his love for you and the extravagant price that would be paid for any enemy of your soul that you would face. And it's finished. Through his resurrection, he's leading you to a victorious life. So take his hand right now. He's leading you towards victory. But I'm praying for a fresh start over individuals this morning. That today would be a new day. 
Today would be a new day where we lock eyes with our risen king, with our conquering king. No turning back. No turning back. We want to help individuals live out this victorious Christian life. And I would encourage you, if you came with somebody this morning and you're not sure how to take that next step in Jesus, talk to them. Talk to your friends. This is such a relational body. It's a relational community. Reach out to somebody. If you need resources, if you need a Bible, stop by the Welcome Center. We have amazing Bibles that are gifted to you for free. We have resources there available for you. We want to walk with you in this victorious life in Jesus. We're going to end with one last song before we go. But allow King Jesus to move in your heart before we move on with this beautiful day. King Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for moving in our hearts, pointing us towards truth. By your grace, bringing us to the end of ourselves. I pray that you would solidify and mark Mark our hearts in a way that changes our trajectory forever. In your mighty name, amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.